This series of three chats, this is the third, is with the past employees of Polymetrics, one of the legacy OEMs in the business. And this is uh, chat group 30. With me today, I have Mr. Jim Slay, Mr. Mike Nelson, Mr. Walter Hayden. The, the biggest story I can remember from when we were there is uh, back then the, this, the cellulose acetate membranes were, were very expensive and also only four inch. And there was only like one or two leaves in them, as I remember. And uh, two leaves, yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, and I hadn't been there very long, and it was, you know, February, March, and uh, they brought one of the membranes in, and they would always dye test them with this purple dye. And, uh, and then if they, if they had failed, they would uh, then destructively, you know, tear them apart. So they, we had one rolled out in the park, literally in the parking lot, because that was the only place big enough. Uh, and you see all this green scum, slime on the top, and everybody stands around very knowingly. Yep, algae fouling again. <laughs> so, and I was thinking, you know, first it's February, and second, I think that's a well water. <laughs> and uh, I took a took some samples of it and analyzed. It was almost pure iron, iron oxide. Uh, but the cartridge filters were completely clean, and it turned out the the pump. It was a cast iron pump with a spider bearings, and they were adding the acid right in front of the pump, and just dissolving the pump off into the membrane. <laughs> and the purple dye was reacting with the iron and forming a green color. They had a lot of package units, standard units, and there were some, some problems with the controls in them. They generally worked okay, but they just had some minor problems of one sort or another. I recall one problem was the, uh, uh, the control panel, there was a disconnect switch inside with the handle on the front where you would open and close the switch. And that handle wasn't very suitable for the application and often uh, a lot of water would leak in around the handle and sometimes the handle would be totally removed by the operator and people would reach in and turn the thing on and off. <laughs> so that was one thing to try to fix, you know, try to come up with a better design. <laughs> so what was the first big, uh, and in those days big was half a million gallons a day, what was the first big municipal project Sarasota. that you did? Sarasota. The city of Sarasota? Sarasota. Yeah. That's how I came to Polymetrics. Yeah. Yeah. The Sarasota? Yes. You worked on that project? Yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, B9s? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And has been totally rebuilt since then. I, I would imagine. Oh, probably. Yeah. And, uh, it's now a spiral plant. After that, uh, you did... Uh, Yambu was the next one, yep. and that was one of the first big seawater plants. Right? It wasn't that large. It wasn't that no, large. No, but for seawater, it was supposed to be 5,000 cubic meters a day or something. Yeah. And, it and what, what did you learn from Yambu? Uh, Drill the wells first. You can't, you can't desalt uh, 78,000 TDS water very well, <laughs> or 60,000 TDS water, whatever it was. Yeah, that was, that was. We were about a quarter mile inland, where we drilled the wells, and uh, I think it was. They came in around fifty-five thousand, is my my recollection. So instead of being five thousand, it was three thousand. We had to really cut the recovery back and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what sort of recoveries did you use in those days? Oh, it, it probably started out at twenty percent. Yeah, I think by the time we were done, it was down around twenty. I think, 20%. We, I think it was. I think it was thirty-five by design, but by the time we were done, it was it was not. Yeah. Yeah. I had a fair amount of trouble with corrosion of the well pumps, at least early on. Yeah, there were submersible pumps, and they corroded away pretty rapidly. Corrosion of everything there. Yeah. Piping. 
Yeah. Actually, um, I was actually, I thought I was only going over for two weeks for the O&M, set up part of the O&M. And as I was on the flight over, uh, the site, the project manager, I got thrown out of the country. <laughs> and I was the only one with a visa, so I ended up, you know, five months instead of two weeks. So I remember one time, this was at Malta, where, you know, in the early 80s, we did this project in Malta, a seawater plant. Uh, and and it, you, when you came down the, the only road access to it, you kind of came down this hill and you could see down below the plant, which is built near the water, but up on some high cliffs above the water. And the had a well field and had a brake tank for the feed water, and then there were pumps that pumped that under 70 or 80 PSI into the uh, cartridge filter system and then into the, into the membrane, the pumps for the membrane. Uh, anyway, the, the line between the brake tank and the pumping system related it and the main plant was kind of above grade, or right at grade anyway. And one day I remember coming down the hill and there was this massive fountain <laughs> where the line had popped. It was about a 30-inch fiberglass line and it was shooting. <laughs> it was one of those nice big leaks that often happened in these seawater plants. So then after DVT, then, then came Aqua Design. That was uh, one of probably the first, if not the first, um, boot-oriented yeah. RO companies. Yep. Yeah. And uh, um, what motivated that move, go from building plants to selling water? I think a part of it was just being in the right place at the right time. You know, we, you know, you know gotten the experience at Polymetrics and various things, but uh, there were a number of people uh, that were selling, you know, seawater plants uh, to hotels and stuff in the Caribbean, and a lot of them weren't working. And so that gave us a, uh, so it put the hotels in a position where uh, they didn't want to have the risk of, you know, buying this thing. And so we, it, it, uh, we were able to just say, we'll, we'll take all the risk and we'll sell the water, and you just pay for the water. And uh, we were just in the right place at the right time. And, and were and, and could do it. That was yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah. I think the hotel management, if they can get rid of any technical issues in their life, they're happy to you know yeah. turn those over to others. They're not. They're more people people than. And then your financing came from Mitsui, so that's when you got started using right. spiral membranes on the on the big. Yeah, that's when yeah. we started with with Torre. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Mitsui was the the Torre, you know, rep in the in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Right. I have one story about about Malta. Um, we, we bid Malta, and I worked on the uh, proposal for Malta and the cost estimating and so on, and we got the contract. And I was home, I think it was uh, right around Christmas, and uh, someone called me and said, we get on a plane and go to Malta for a couple of days, uh, a couple a week or so. We got the contract, we're going to go over there. So I go over there and then went to, out to the site, and Bill Andrews is there, and Mike Bachman, and Bill Andrews and Mike Bachman said, we're going to put the plant right here on this site and so on. It's going to be... Dump, dump, and dump, 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 and uh, they left, and there I was for three months. I don't remember. The projects really don't stand out. It, it's all the experiences with the, the people on the sites and things that. It's all the stories that I remember. Right? It's not the, uh, not the technology, not the right. projects that I right. really remember. Yeah. Walt. Well, I recall uh, uh, at Malta we had. Uh, Power coming into the plant was 11 kV feed, 50 hertz system, of course. And the Enamalta, which was the power company, only had uh, uh, had they had some feeders out in that part of the island, but none of them, by in, no one of them, was 
had enough capacity to run the plant. So they said, well, well, we'll give you two feeders. And so you need to set up with two incoming lines. You'll have to load both of them. You can't just use one or the other. So fortunately, we were working with a British electrical engineer, uh, John Whiteley, which was very skilled and, and, it, and had a lot of third world experience. So he uh, said, okay, what we need is a serious tap switch on the automatic tap switch on the primary side of this transformer. And he was certainly right. I think it was would go plus 5% to minus 20% voltage. It would compensate over that range. And we were often at minus 10 or minus 15% for the compensation. I mean, where the, as you loaded the thing up, the feeder would lower and lower and lower. <laughs> uh, but we were able to extract enough power from it and keep the 6 kV sec, you know, distribution within the plant at 6 kV, and that was good. Uh, and quite often, we'd go to the plant, and one of the feeders would be lost. I mean, this was just a routine thing. And when you went to their power plant, which was on the other side of the island, and looked through what was going on in there, you could understand why they had struggles. I mean, they did have struggles. <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for coming.